podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the preview show. I have the privilege of stepping in for Harry Sethi again today. It's me, Kay. You know me from the Face Off pod and the post-match show generally. But uh, today I, I, I get to handle the preview show, which is really cool. Handle both sides, you know. Um, and it's been a good week for Liverpool supporters. I will, we're not here to talk about that today. We're here to talk about Bournemouth. But I'm sure the enthusiasm is going to spill over into the pod today. So, as I said, we do have our Bournemouth match to look forward to. Liverpool are just on a high at the moment. And But Bournemouth is one of those teams that we sort of really love watching as well. And to discuss with me today, I've got Peter Bell, Bournemouth. I'm very well. How are you, Peter? Thank you very much for inviting me on. Very well, thank you. Super stoked that you could join us. Uh, Like I say, Bournemouth is a lot of Liverpool fans' second teams just because the way you guys play football, the way you approach things. So, uh, yeah, I can't wait to get your thoughts on uh, on the game at the weekend. And joining us from the Liverpool side, somebody I've hosted quite a few times now, um, love to get his opinion on things. It is AI writer and co-host of the AI Writers pod, Tom Holmes. Yeah, hi, hi Kay. It's uh, good to be on again. It's weird. I've done this. I've done the preview pod two or three times now, and you've been covering every time, I think. <laughs> that is an amazing book. <laughs> oh, it's because Harry doesn't like me. That's what I, I can be quite <laughs> annoying in the writer's chat, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so guys, Bournemouth versus Liverpool. Before we get onto the actual preview of the game, um, and what I'll do there is I will get the Bournemouth section on, so I'll talk to Peter for a couple of questions, then we'll switch to a Liverpool focus before eventually getting both of your predictions. Before we do that, I just want to get both of you guys' reactions to this, and uh, particularly the subject of agent fees has been a big thing for both clubs, Bournemouth recording the 10th highest agent fees paid, Liverpool the highest. How do you feel about the amounts paid? Uh, Peter, it'll be interesting to see, especially from a club that's, um, you know, doesn't have the financial resources that, uh, that, that you know, some of those have finished, um, have been in the Premier League for a lot longer. Like, how do you feel about this? Yeah, thing? yeah, it's, um, it's um, something that's really uh, growing, obviously, since we've been to the Premier League. Um, before that, I don't think it particularly used to show up very much on our accounts. Uh, um, but now, yeah, with this 7.7 million, I think it was Bournemouth paid um, in the last uh, yes. last one. We only brought in four players during that as well. Which, um, so you're, you're looking at um, almost two million pound a player, I suppose, in agent fees, which is um, staggering. I think that's quite amazing. Um, so it's, it's a pretty good deal. I might set up myself as an agent. <laughs> it's not, not too bad. Yeah, I was going to say that. That sounds like, sounds like good but, um, luck. I'm sure. I mean, Eddie Howe spoke about it a bit the other day, actually, to a local paper and saying that, you know, um, if they don't sort of pay the going rate, then, to be honest, we don't get the players that we're after. Um, and I know Bournemouth, you know, when I suppose we're in a sort of um, – a league uh, money-wise, with trying to compete with maybe a few of the clubs that are maybe slightly ahead of us, I would say Southampton, Le- uh, Leicester, Newcastle. They probably got slightly bigger pockets than us, but um, we, you know, we haven't got the ground to compete. But on, on transfers, it, if it if it comes down to sort of like paying an agent or not paying him, you know, if he's gonna if you're gonna lose that contract, then you know, I'm not surprised that we probably have said yes, where some some may have said. You know, we're not paying that much, and it's it's enabled us to get the player. But um, it, obviously, it's pushed our our agent fees up. Um, so I think that might be one of the reasons why we're a little bit higher than people would expect. Because um, you know, well, Bournemouth's a nice place to come and play anyway. I think South Coast and that, and uh, it's 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 got a great manager, a very new manager who's young and progressive with his ideas, the way the team plays and sets out. There's a lot of attractive things about the story even coming to Bournemouth and what it's done in the past. Mm. But um, I think, you know, it, that in its own is, you know, we're still playing catch up to, you know, great clubs like Liverpool that have got an amazing history compared to us. Um, you know, it, it's it's not so easy for the, for the smaller clubs coming into the Premier League. And I think agents fees is just one of those things that we, we have to take. Although Huddersfield have done very well. I think they only spent about just over two million and they brought in a lot of players. So I don't, I don't know whether it's also... Uh, more expensive with agents if if you 
go for homegrown players as opposed to foreign players as well. So that may have some bearing as well. Oh, that's interesting. You know, I know on that, Peter, a, a while back before the takeover at Swansea, uh, the chairman there, Hugh Jenkins, was um, was talking to the fans. And you were saying, you know, it's, it's really difficult to compete when you get to a certain level because they had this, um, you know, this model of sort of finding undervalued players in the market and sort of purchasing them for really low transfers and not necessarily to sell on, but they would just perform better, especially within that Swansea set system that they had, you know, that was built by Martinez and Rogers and so on and so forth, Sanchez. And he was saying, we've reached a point now and we've gotten to sort of the cusp of the, of being regularly in the top 10 of the Premier League. And it's really difficult yeah. to find players to be able to do that. I wonder if, you know, people like Eddie Howe, if the, the Bournemouth, um, the Bournemouth hierarchy have sort of looked at that and gone, well, you know, maybe agents fees is a way to circumvent that, you know, pay a bit more agent fees now, get in with them. And that way, when you hit that, when you hit that, uh, that cusp, easier it's easier to overcome yeah it may well be i mean um uh eddie also said that they're in contact with an awful lot of agents they get rung all the time with players you know um they're not sort of get being attracted you know attracted maybe that is because you know they know that bournemouth if they like a player they will play an agent's fee more times than not i expect um but but the club's also looking at other avenues as well i mean we're putting an awful lot of money into the academy now um and trying to get young players coming through with us but even then the agents you know uh, even some of the Bournemouth players they, they they would have started from the age of you know 10 they'll be with agents um so even when you've got your own academy and you're building that up and trying to get not paying the big transfers fees there's all still agents fees to pay quite often I think so um I, I think it's difficult and I think it's going to be not only us I think other clubs are going to find it difficult in the future as well I don't think there's an easy route out of it I think it's just something you're going to have to deal with yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a, a, a very similar sort of story coming out of Liverpool. Basically, you sort of have to pay it when you're not, when you're in the, even a situation like Liverpool, which does have a, quite a lot of financial resources at its disposal. We paid something upwards of 20 million or something. 20, 26.8. Is it just <laughs> 26.8? I would not mind that. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> that would not be bad. Is it just the necessary evil of the game nowadays, Tom? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, from a Liverpool perspective, you, you you look at all the hard work that goes into picking the players. We've talked a lot about how, for example, uh, Mel Reddy's article on Bobby Firmino, the amount of detailed look that Liverpool did on him. Oxlade Chamberlain, for example, Van Dijk. They're all players where Liverpool, Salah, these are players in the last couple of years where Liverpool have put a lot of effort into scouting this player. They've put a lot of, you know, they put a lot of muscle into picking the exact player that fits the squad perfectly. And I think they've made really, really astute signings. But part of that is that when you've derived the perfect player to get all that way and then suddenly turn around and the agent wants an extra, you know, million quid or whatever, you can you can hardly say no, can you, having gone through all the legwork to get to that position? That's part of the issue, really, isn't it? I mean, obviously, those sorts of things will be discussed early on in the negotiations, but the agents have always got that capacity to bump their fee or to, you know, find another charge somewhere later on in the conversation. And it, I, to an extent, it's a necessary evil. It's an ex, it's It's a necessary evil... To the extent that in the situation you can't really say no because agents are notorious for just drumming up speculation with other clubs and an agent can the problem with agencies is like you mentioned earlier you need an agent on your side because an agent an agent can make a transfer situation hell or they can make it a lot easier because if you've got something like potentially the Van Dyke or the Cater situation where Liverpool would probably have had to pay the agent a little bit more to make sure that their client I mean look at Van Dyke he he didn't really play for Southampton in the front half of the season because he was you know not not he was making a clear making it clear he wanted to leave the club in January. So that's the agents got about a big factor in that. Um Naby, for example, kicked up a stink to get out of uh Leipzig as well. That's got to be down to the agent. If we if we don't pay the agents what they want, they can get their client to either you know, they can get their client to really screw us over in terms of how their behaviour affects I mean it's hmm. uh, the most potent example of this is Coutinho. You if you think Coutinho made any of his own decisions, that's a lot that's a laughable suggestion. Coutinho's been completely bullied by well maybe not bullied but he's been led by his agent the entire way through and he's been able to get the transfer he wanted so agents can really engineer transfers you've got to make sure that you're paying them the the mark well, market value and that's that's the price that they deserve mm. um i don't think it's a necessary evil to the extent that i do think as a system 
the clubs have got if if if, if you know if four or five of the big clubs stood up and went we're going to try and change some legislation here i don't think too many of the lower level clubs would necessarily disagree with a cap on um with a cap on agents fees because i think that would that would suit a lot of clubs um part of the problem with that is that obviously a lot of agents wouldn't be very happy about and there are some really powerful agents out there who have really powerful relationships mm. with big clubs so that kind of restricts it's quite difficult to get a cap when one or two of the big clubs have got agents who have basically they're in there they're under their thumb you know what i mean um what i would say with liverpool specifically and why our agents fees are maybe maybe higher is that we've had a couple of as i've mentioned quite two or three really sort of prominent big sagas that have kind of gone on this year that don't really happen i mean you look at the Van Dyke one, for example, that will have probably been having to pay his agent all the way from August all the way through to January, realistically, to some extent, to keep, you know, to keep mm. Van Dyke on side, to make sure, because because City and Chelsea mm. were obviously sniffing around as well, so he would have had to have paid a premium to his agent anyway. So the Van Dyke one was is obviously one of those where, A, it's a big money deal anyway, so 75 million is going to incur a big percentage anyway. I mean, yeah. if you look at, if you consider, for example, I think 5 10% is probably the going rate. That's five, ten million right off the bat. Seven and a half million if it's ten percent. So that's you know right off the bat. That's something there. Mm. Um, that's even before you consider all the other stuff that would have gone on behind the scenes with that one. Cater again will have been will have been paying his agent quite a bit. We had the conversation with them in January, so we'll have been having the conversation with the agent in January. Mm. Naby's behaviour hasn't hasn't exactly been exemplary at Leipzig either, so I'm not sure how much will have been funneling to the agent for that. But if you consider that all summer we'll have been dealing with two those two, and then going into the January window again, we'll have had to deal with those two. So those are two really big ones. And I think the other one is Coutinho, and I'm not sure how much the agents' fees for Coutinho will have been paid down our end, but we will have had to have paid some agents' fees. You'd have thought to some extent, especially given, especially given that his track, yeah, given, especially given that um, he, he renewed his contract last year. I'm not sure exactly what period the agents' fees covers, but you know we've had a couple of other big name contracts boost as well which will obviously have affected us but yeah i mean if you look at city for example they haven't really had any big drawn out sagas apart from the alexis sanchez one where obviously he ended up at man united so united will have been paying an absolute shed load for that one but um but united all of united's tra- all of city's transfers sorry they got them done pretty effect pretty efic- efficiently which would have helped to have reduced the agent's fees per transfer if that makes sense another one another one obviously is oxay chamberlain the fact that we Look at it this way. Oxlade-Chamberlain obviously chose us over Chelsea on deadline day. But if we don't give his agent a little bit extra, because I think that's the thing. So one of those things, isn't it? If you can give, give the, give the, um, give the agents five million quid extra and you can reduce a transfer fee by 10 million quid, you're making money. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. True enough. All right, lads. What we're going to do now is, um, Tom, I'm just going to ask you to to get on standby for a little while while I no have problem. a chat to Peter about Bournemouth and their season and their approach to the game. So we'll see you in just a bit. Uh, Peter, I will come to you for the Bournemouth se- right. uh, section, obviously. And this season has been quite interesting for Bournemouth, really. It's been a, a, a good start, but that gave away to a horrible period of four straight losses, albeit to basically four of the top six, you know, United, Liverpool, Chelsea, City. And I was speaking to Michael at that point, and, you know, there were one or two concerns about how, uh, maybe not necessarily from you know, a significant part of this, of the fan base, but there were, there were sort of murmurings in the press, murmurings uh, amongst a particular section of the fan base about how applicable he is to the, the goal to stay in the Premier League from Bournemouth. But you guys have recovered and now it's only two losses in the last 14 games, which has been, you know, absolutely brilliant. How would you see the season and how would you react to you know, how how secure is Eddie Howe at, at the <laughs> Um Yeah, it's been a remarkable season, really, I think. We didn't actually get off to a very good start because we lost the first, I don't know, um, four games in the Premier League. I think it was West Brom, Watford, Man City, Arsenal. We lost them all. So we didn't start off well anyway. <laughs> we, we started off in the bottom three. Mm. Um, and, you know, it wasn't until we got a win over Brighton that things started, you know, we felt a bit better about ourselves. Um, and and uh, you know, I mean, for us not to beat the top four, you know, it was not a big surprise. We we expect to lose some of those games, I suppose. But I think we're learning each year. We're still still, still very young, and we may be our third season, but um, there's no guarantee of us staying. Eddie said, you know, we've been in a, a relegation back, uh, battle every season, and if you look to the table on 
Christmas Day, we were in the bottom three. So, you know, we're not we're not uh, sort of making massive strides yet, I don't think, in the Premier League. Um, but obviously, in the last couple of seasons, really, what we've done is, is managed to pick up points when we most needed them. And it's come came a bit later this year, really, after Christmas. Um, but we got the important wins, which was to get wins against an Arsenal and a Chelsea, somebody in the top six. We had to do that. Um, and it really turned around with the, the draw against Everton. Oh, sorry, the, the win against Everton at home, 2-1, I think. It was a late... December, right at the end of December. Um, from that that moment on, we they had a lot more confidence in the team. Um, but you know, seems like Liverpool gave us a good thumping. Man City gave us a thumping. You know, four goals. But we haven't had. They weren't the embarrassing goal last season. We had a lot of embarrassing goals, silly goals given away when we played Spurs and that. You know, it'd be, you know, it almost give them a, a head start. You know, and I think this year they've uh, bringing in Begovic has certainly helped at the back. Um, his distribution's just a little bit more calmer and sensible. And I, I think Ake, in particular, de- defence-wise, is, is a mass- massive yeah, bonus for us. Yeah. I mean, we paid £20 million from us. He's, he's, for him, he's the easiest, our biggest uh, signing. Um, and I, I still think we need at least three more regular starters that we haven't yet got in the team, hopefully this summer, to really challenge to be... Uh, a team that is consistently, you know, challenging the the sort of I don't know seventh to tenth place positions. I still think we're a bit short. We're 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 up and around there, and I think we're about eleventh, something like that. But you know, a couple of defeats, and we could still be around sixteenth. So it's not, you know, I, I think we'll we'll be okay this season. And I think the pressure came on when for Eddie Howe really around December time when we had four games we lost. Um, let me think, we had. Uh, Man United away, we lost. It was very narrow. Well, it was a good performance. We lost one nil, and then we had Liverpool at home, a four nil game. Uh, we lost. That was that was a heavy one, and Chelsea beat us, and uh, Man City beat us as well. So it was all the top clubs, but the pressure was on them because, you know, the games were, you know, we were halfway through the season, and we we're thinking like, okay, you know, where where are we going to start picking up points? Um, but luckily, they started to come then, and uh, I, I think it's. Um, Eddie's got a very calming influence. He doesn't panic, and I think, luckily for us, our chairman, uh, our owner, um, doesn't our Russian owner doesn't uh, worry either too much. He's got a very good relation with Eddie, um, uh, and they speak to each other all the time, every day. And and the main message that we get as, as fans is that you know we, while we 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 want to aspire to be, you know, uh, one of the leading Premier League teams. You know, we are early days. We are. It is just a new project for us. It's not. It's not something that we can expect to be, you know, definitely beating the the teams that just come up every year. You know, easily. It's it's not going to be like that. We are going to have days when we well, like we did when we lost to Huddersfield. You know, away four nil quite heavily. A four one, sorry, quite heavily. Um, th- th- these things are going to happen. We're going to have good days and bad days, and. Um, it's really just get behind the team and give them support because there were there were there was a time when the the home uh, crowd in particular were not getting as behind the team I would say as as they have done in previous seasons. You know, it's almost like we've done it before. We just expect them to do it. You know, entertain us. And and when you do that and you go quiet, uh, it doesn't help the players. And I think there was a bit of that this season as well. Um, but things turned around. We started to get behind more behind the team. I think. And so, some of the players who haven't been uh, doing so well in the part, like Jordan Ibe, who had a very quiet season last season, this season we can see the progress they're making. Um, we've had uh, he's he's much more um, focused on on sort of not not losing the ball, trying to be his man in the right places, not in the dark places, but on the halfway line. And uh, you know it's it's good to see we've got Lise Musset who's only just really come come into force the last few games. Um, Really, um, you know, it's, it's adding a little bit more interest to us because we're starting to see, yeah, there's we we've got players that can come on now and change a game, which is I don't think we had that really in the last couple of seasons. So um, it's been a good, it's going to be it's been a hard season, but it's been a good one. And any any season when you finish above Southampton, which hopefully we will, <laughs> is a good one. <laughs> so yeah, no, that I mean, it's it's. It's it's really nice to see that attitude from Bournemouth fans. It's it, it's it's a sort of you know when you when you support Liverpool and everything just seems so 
important all the time you know that sort of joy and and interaction with your with your club is i think something we've been missing in the past something that Jurgen Klopp in particular has brought back in, in his last couple of seasons but i mean you mentioned they're picking up points at important times there peter and one of the things that has helped you guys is this you know you've got this yeah. title of comeback kings that that Bournemouth has done uh, you've also got this um, this habit of scoring really late in games as you just did in the last game against palace which was brilliant because Hodgson. So <laughs> that was great for us. But uh, moving on from that, I mean, Bournemouth have won, I'm reading here, a league high 18 Not points bad, from losing it? positions. For you, what is that down to? I mean, that's brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. Is it? Is it more a fitness thing or is it more a mentality thing? It just seems very within the sort of pers- uh, personality of yeah. the team that Eddie Howe would... Yeah, we don't like getting beat. We don't like getting beat. Um, we... We we often mm. the the, we, the thing that I think people haven't noticed is that we often give early goals away. Um, in in recent matches we've been pick, giving a lot of goals away at the start of the second half. Um, I don't know quite what the reason for that is, but obviously then if you're going to if you're going to get any points out of the game, you need to come back. And I suppose it's happened a few times, and because it's happened a few times, it doesn't frighten the players so much now when they go behind as it has done in the past. Um, they know they have it in them to change games. And I think the system we play often when we do go behind is to go three at the back. So we actually go more offensive um, pretty early on. And and I, I think the squad that Eddie Howe's got is very much an offensive team. We don't have a great deal of defenders. And I wouldn't say they're all, always the, the strongest part of our team. We don't like to defend because I don't think it's, the way Eddie wants to set us playing, you know, he wants us to have a go. He wants the players to be confident that they can take on any team in the Premier League and that they can hurt them. And I think the concentration has been very much on offensive play uh, and remains, and long may it remain that way because I think, you know, we, we, we like to be entertained. Um, we know that sometimes it, it can go dreadfully wrong. Um, but I think that the, by, by being so offensive, it does actually take pressure off our defence and 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 you know a lot of the goals that we do concede are from set plays free kicks I think of late we let one in against Leicester which was I think 97th minute even a 94 minute game so that was good and then we lost one uh where did we lose one the other day um there was another free kick um somebody got against us uh but but the late the, the free kick situation is is something that I think is just um I don't know. Maybe uh, Begovic needs to, needs to make sure he gets his wall a little bit lined up better, and and we just need to be a bit more organised because we do have problems with that. But the comebacks, I think, are just something. Probably fitness is certainly one thing. I, um, Brad Smith was saying the other day that um, the way the team plays compared to Liverpool in in training is very um, uh, short sessions, but very intensive. Um, but the fitness that they have, they generate. I think. Is certainly one of the highest in in the Premier League. Um, uh, certainly, the last twenty minutes of a game at, at Dingcourt Vitality Stadium, will the crowd almost expect to, to, for the team to come to come back now? <laughs> yeah, it's, but it's just you know we just get behind them more. I think the noise as well of the crowd certainly helps. We do. It is very tight pitch at Dingcourt, and and teams know they're in for a tough tough time that second half when when we're kicking towards the Steve uh, Fleck just stand as it is and all stand yeah it, it can get pretty intense but we, we're also doing it in away games now so um i don't i, I just think the strength of the squad is slightly better than it was and it, it, we have that ability now picking up on that peter because so i mean where you guys are now it is 11th on the log but it's so tight down there it's tight everywhere in the english League <laughs> table it just bloody well seems nowadays but it's uh it's 10 points off 18th position albeit that you played a game a game more Given your approach and things that you're saying, you know, this identity that Bournemouth have, Ryan Frazier has come out and urged the team to sort of look forward. You know, let's beat the previous Premier League record of 46 points is what he's saying. So, I mean, as I said, currently you are on 38. Your remaining games are obviously us away, and then you have United at, at home, which <laughs> should be an easy one for you guys. That I wish you all the luck in that one. Um, then you have a break for a week, which I think is going to be very pivotal in the season, you know, just in terms of recovery and, and getting, you know, a good breath in for the final three games, which are Southampton away, Swansea away, <laughs> Burnley away. 
Yeah, I mean, what do you think about the comments by Fraser? Does it does it just tie in well with the way you guys play? Is that the way you expect? Yeah, um, well, games? what Fraser says is, is probably, I don't want to get him into trouble because he's probably not allowed to speak too much out about that. Eddie keeps it very, very close <laughs> to his chest what the targets are, but he says, oh, we have a target in mind, but he never actually says what it is. He'll say he'll let other people talk about 40 points and all the rest of it, but he won't actually confirm what it is. Mm. Um, I imagine, yeah, that they set out with the start of the season, they wanted to beat last season's total of, of 46 points, and I think... 50 points was probably the goal. It was what I, I thought would be the goal this season. So that, that might be a bit beyond us. But um, even to, to do as well as we did last season, 46 points would be, um, would be, would be amazing. Um, I don't think we've had a smoother season in some ways, even though we haven't had, you know, cruciate ligament inju- injuries. We've, you know, Wilson, we only got back late October. Defoe sort of had a few problems, didn't really... Uh, get in with the team didn't quite fit we couldn't find him you know in our play early doors so that didn't quite work out as well as we would hope uh, I think the fans um, you know even for for Aki coming back you know it was, it was even though he'd played before for the team you know it's still getting used to playing a game after not for six months with us and and thinking there's a new goalkeeper um, so there was a lot of things to get used to this season I think which were added complications that we perhaps weren't foreseen straight away the start and it's probably why it led to our poor start. Um I think the League Cup also helped us that few extra games to get a little bit more confidence with, with the players. So so that had an important part to play, mm-hmm. especially getting to the, the quarter. I think we, we did quarter finals with Chelsea. So so we did quite well and that certainly helped through our season. But um I don't know, with the phrase forty six points, is it reachable? I suppose it I, I think we would Back ourselves still to get a, a silly result against one one of the manual manual Liverpool, and we'd probably say uh, I mean the game for the season that's left for us is Southampton away. That is an absolutely massive game for us. Not not for us staying up, but somebody else probably. Um, and <laughs> the fans will be so vocal in that game. It will be it'll be amazing. It'll, it'll be um, one of the best derby games. Whatever the outcome is, I just know it's just going to be a match. It's going to be so much tension. Uh, I'm, I'm, I don't think Southampton fans will be looking forward to it, but we certainly are. Um, and uh, I don't know. I just, I just hope it goes our way because uh, it will be one of the greatest days. It will certainly go down as one of our greatest days if we do beat them. So uh, we're looking forward to that one. And the other, the other games, you know, I think Swansea have improved, so that will be hard. Um, and there's obviously a Burnley away. Well. That's nice for Eddie, isn't right. it? Go, go to his you know, on the last day. Um, <laughs> and they're probably going to be in Europa League football uh, and the tremendous season they've had. Absolutely. I mean, they've made us have, look to have quite a poor mm. season, really, because they've been amazing. Um, uh, that's not an easy game for anybody to go to Burnley to turf more. So, um, you know, if, if I think as long as, to be honest, as long as the te- team gets over 40 points, you know, that, that'll be good. We'll keep it, stay up. If we can finish in the top 10, it's a bonus. If they can get somewhere near last year's total, then great. They've got to have something to play for the players. And it means, I don't think they, they will go to to uh, Anfield or when they play Man United with any fear. They know that, you know, they're, they're great teams, but they we've scored points in the past against these teams. At Anfield, we haven't won, we haven't won yet. So mm-hmm. it's another, t- it's just a challenge for us. You know, it's something they can aspire to. You think, you know, let's, let's go and try and win it. Why not? Definitely, yeah, definitely. No, I think these these games are not the typical ones that you look to to sort of uh, get your bread and butter points. But they, you know, they are. Hey, if we get something out of the game, absolute bonus. So just just go out there and sort of have some fun. And I mean, on that note, Pete, do you think that you know you, you've said there that Liverpool and United, you know, let's look at the Liverpool game, will not hold that level of fear for you. There's, there seems to be a quite a strong sense of identity to Bournemouth and the way they play. That sort of links the clubs with, a, with sort of the way that Liverpool City kind of approach the game, you know, more progressive play um, and, and that sort of thing. And the other thing is not to change the approach too much. And as I, you know, I say that, but Liverpool did change the approach the last game. But, um, you know, that how do you expect Bournemouth to to come out at Liverpool? Do you expect them to to uh, to just go there and, and sort of play and have an open game or even change the game just a little bit slightly? Just maybe, you know, keep it tight for the first 20 minutes or so. <laughs> they might want to keep game. it tight for the first 20 minutes, but they probably won't have much choice about that. I mean, <laughs> uh, 
Eddie will try and get them to to have a good start to the game. Um, no matter we, we, I think with the League Cup last year, we actually when we went there, first ten minutes we had a real good go, and it just you know sometimes if you can get an early goal, then you know it can change the atmosphere of the whole stadium. So I don't I don't think yeah. he'll be particularly looking. You know, two banks of four be give nothing away, first you know ten minutes or whatever. He will be you know if you can get, have a go, then by all means you know get up the pitch and you know let's put some pressure on these guys because they've just had a midweek game whether how many players clock plays from from the after the midweek game we, we've yet to see um obviously they need the points to try and finish third at least rather than fourth um but he may also have some concerns about you know um you know Salah had a bit of a, an injury worry so you know does he I was surprised that he kept him on the whole 90 minutes or pretty well um, against Man City, actually. I thought we'd have taken him off a bit earlier. But um, I don't know. We're, we're, we we ourselves have some injury worries. We have, you know, King, I think, will probably be on the bench. Um, I think, uh, um, you know, there, there's a couple of things. We may have Jordan Knight back, but will AD play him in front of, you know, 50,000 Liverpool supporters who don't want him to do that well? Um uh, <laughs> You know, so there's there's a few. I think the team will pretty well be the same as last match, but I think I may well get the start on the right wing, and Fraser may go to the left wing, um, which I think is better balance for us anyway. Um, it, it may be that King, because of his injury, he just has to, to wait on the bench. But I, I certainly think we'll have a go, and um, it's been the way with with all our players this year. I mean, there's been other players that you may not have heard of so much, um, Jack Simpson and Kyle Taylor. They've been. Getting Getting time on the bench and certainly in the League Cup games, um, Simpson uh, had had a great uh, couple of games um, against Middlesbrough early on in the season, and we're starting to get a few of our youngsters to actually get some Premier League experience now as well. Um, it may be for this game, may not you may not see that, but um, certainly against the big teams, um, we, we haven't been. I mean, I think Lee Smith started against Man City away. Um, things like you know, some of our players that don't always start regularly have been thrown in you know against the top 10 teams so Eddie has not not afraid to change things you know if you know players aren't quite 100% he will put some of the the younger players on so um we're looking forward to it and you know we usually find they rise to the occasion somehow you know um you know the teams now I don't think there's any team in the Premier League that really frightens us maybe Man City a little bit um, on their day they'd frighten anybody but you know we'll compete that that's that's what we're there for. We've got there, so you know we'll try and compete. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On on that note, do you do you feel, Peter, that the prospect of facing you know this late in the season facing Liverpool and then United in consecutive game weeks does that changes Eddie Eddie probably does. I mean, I was looking at the start of the season. We were looking at this month, thinking, oh my god, I hope we got the points by then because we've got a tough running. Um, but it's it's um. It really depends on the amount. We have a few injuries, like Adam Smith has been injured for a few weeks now, and he'll desperately be trying to get him back because he's such a versatile player. Um, and if we can get you know him back, Simon Francis has just come back from injury as well. So we've had a few, you know, say Josh King struggling a little bit. Stanislas is now out, so we've got a few injury problems, and he may not have as much flexibility as he would like. So I think. You know, he would probably try and keep it fairly consistent for the two games. I don't think you'll see a massive change between the two teams um, because we've got a week in between. And, you know, I, I think wh- wh- whoever it is, wherever we were playing, I don't think it necessarily, he necessarily changes personnel just because of who we're playing. I think he'll pick on our, how we're playing and on our form mm. and who's, who's going to do a job for us. As I say, he thinks offensively more probably that he does defensively. Uh, maybe you could say as a weakness, but, you know, we've got Tyron Mings coming back and he's he's um, a defender that I would have loved to see more of this season. Um, but he, we know, plays very well. He did against Man United uh, last year. Um, uh, Mr. Ibrahimovic will justify to that. And, uh, you know, we've got players <laughs> like that who may just, you know, come in on the Man United game who haven't really played. So there's a possibility of a, a change there. But I think if injuries, you know, stay away, you know, it should be fairly well the same uh, for the two fixtures. I don't think he'll make a massive change, but he sometimes Eddie does things with nobody, you know, he keeps things close to the chest and he'll, he'll 
surprise us, you know, he'll, yeah, he'll do something <laughs> that we think, oh, that was a surprise. So, yeah, I mean, I, I look for, I don't, I'm not worried about who we put out, to be honest. I think they'll have a go, whoever it is. So, we look forward to the game. Nice, nice. All right, now, thanks very much, Pete, for the Bournemouth perspective. What we're going to do now is move on to Liverpool. I'll just ask you, uh, Peter, to just uh, hang about for a little while because we are still going to get your predictions and, um, and whatnot at the end of the show. And on that note, moving on to the Liverpool perspective, something I didn't mention at the really top of the uh, of the pod, Tom, uh, when we started. But may I just offer my sincere congratulations to you and your team for progressing to the semi-finals of the. Why? Thank you. Um, it was a uh, it was a pretty good night overall, wasn't it? Could have been could have been a lot worse. A few scary moments, but um, overall overall we did we did all right on the night as it goes. Yeah, yeah. The, no, against against, against and, the uh, team that. As a, as Peter mentioned, does in fact scare me quite a lot. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I was not. I everybody was like, yeah, we could have gotten a, you know. I was like, oh, this does not. I don't know, like this team. I don't want to play them. But yeah, it seems it seems club just does seem to have that number though. But you know, I was really worried about this coming into this time, especially because of. You know, it seems that while. Jurgen Klopp has got the team playing a little bit beyond what our expectations might be, given their perceived quality levels. It, it just seems that once we have one or two injuries, the squad starts looking a bit bare in our eyes and that kind of thing. I, I was really worried about from that perspective. What's your thoughts on the injuries we've been picking up recently? You know, what are their causes in your view? Um, is this potentially going to cost us, you know, results? Is it going to start t- telling on us it's before a tough the end one. of the season? Um, it's a tough one. Um, if you look at the players that we've had injured um, in terms of causes, uh, you look at Alana. That's a recurrence of his previous injuries. Um, I think I think Cy Brundish tweeted that bringing him on as a substitute in the game he wasn't expected to bring on as a substitute is just a recipe for disaster, which says it all about where Alana's at as a player. Really, you can't take any risks with him whatsoever, or it's just you know game over. Um, Joe Gomez similarly has had some serious injuries in the past, so he's one of those players where anything small can just get a lot worse. Matip as well has got a bit of a history there, so that's a bit frustrating. Um, the only one only one of our players who's injured who isn't really injury prone is Emre, so that's a bit of a body blow. And I, I think Emre's probably the one I'm most worried about just because I think Emre's an absolutely phenomenal player. I think he's our best midfielder. So missing Emre definitely is the one that could hurt us. Um, the other main cause that I think has to be identified is fatigue. I mean, obviously, it's one of those where... <sighs> You don't want to blame the system. You don't want to blame the fact they're playing a lot of minutes. But injuries are more likely to happen when you've played 3,000 minutes this season, yes. which Emery has done. Emery's played 3,000 minutes. Matip's played two and a half to over 2,000. Gomez has played over 2,000. And Gomez is obviously not used to playing a lot of minutes, which is another issue. With Emery, part of the problem was that he was at the Confederations Cup last summer. So he didn't get a prom- proper preseason or a proper summer break either. So Emery's one of those players who, because of the fact he's a young German player, he's getting a lot of minutes in international tournaments. So Emery barely seems to stop, which is only going to hurt him in the long run, which is a real shame. And that's why in the front half of the season, you did see Emery get rested quite a bit. And in the back half of the season, he becomes such a pivotal player. Whether or not the injuries are going to cost us points, going to cost us results. If you'd asked me a week ago, well, a week and a half ago, um... Are, is losing those players going to cost us results? I'd have said definitely. I'd have said missing Emery from Marmifield is absolutely pivotal. We can't afford to lose Emery. I'd have said having to play Lovren and losing Matip for Sirius is a real, real concern. So those are the two that I would have lacked at and kind of gone, and we're definitely going to struggle as a result of that. But bottom line is the two games against Man City have pretty much showed that might not be the case at all, especially given that I mean, we'll come on to it in a minute, especially given that the league isn't really going to be much of an issue anymore. We can sort of focus on getting the players that we need to be fit for the Champions League semi-finals. Um, Lovren's demonstrated that he's more than good enough in a big game, which is insane because I don't think anybody expected that. Alexander Arnold at right back shown he's more than capable of deputising. And the midfield, all four of the midfielders who have come in for Emery have been brilliant. So really, um, the situation off the back of two phenomenal games and two phenomenal results against City is looking a lot rosier than it could have been. Yeah, no, completely. I get, I get, I get that. You, I mean, you brought up the point earlier there, Tom. If we look at previous seasons, especially going back to the Rafael Benitez's time, from what I remember, we've always had the sort of trade-up, trade-off between Champions League and league games. What happens after Champions League game? You know, there's always the perception that we seem to do worse in the game that follows it. 
Do you think this current Champions League game is going to be a, a distraction for us in the league? Or even, I mean, vice versa, if you want to have it that way. But have we already seen it, for example, at Everton? Has that cost us points? Is there a danger of us maybe missing out on top four? It's a tough... What I would say is at this stage in the season, I think there's a... If there is a danger of us missing top four, it's very, very slim. Um, I think that's mostly because we can afford to take a few risks. Now Chelsea are basic, Chelsea just don't look like a team that are going to get... 10 more points. Chelsea don't look like a team that are going to catch us, even if we lose every game between now and the end of the season, to be honest. I'd, obviously, A, we won't lose every game between now and the end of the season. And B, we will have to pick up more points because Chelsea are not going to completely fall off. But um I think the main thing for me is that we've got a couple of games that I think we can kind of focus on a bit. The Brighton game, obviously, is past everything else. So that's pretty much a nailed on win if we need it in the back pocket, which is nice. We've obviously got, we've obviously got a week between the Bournemouth game and the West Brom game, which means we can go a little bit more aggressive in this Bournemouth game. Um, Stoke and West Brom are games that we should be winning even with a second string. So I certainly think, I certainly think we can afford to take the league a little bit less seriously at this stage in the game because Chelsea are so far behind them because they look in wretched form. We realistically only need two wins from our last six games to guarantee top four. Um, and we've got, our schedule looks, our schedule's a little bit tight, but realistically we've got enough gaps in crucial places that we can just take, can pick two Premier League games and just go, you know what, those are the two games I think we're really just going to go out and win and get that top four sorted. Um, it would be a more interesting question if Chelsea weren't in as wretched form as they are, but Chelsea looking the way they are and the gap we have, we'd have to do something really, really bad in the league now to, to bottle top four. So I don't see it happening, to be honest with you. And I think that's a relief because it means that we can focus on the Champions League. Then we can sort of say, you know what, we've got basically nothing to play for in the league at this stage beyond just making sure top four certain. So we can afford to really go at the Champions League, which is a nice, which is a nice thing. So yes, I think the Champions League campaign will mean that we are going to take the league a lot less seriously. And we have already seen that with Everton, but I don't think it will be to the detriment of top four because I think that's all but done at this stage in the game. Mm. Do you think it might be the opposite effect, Tom? Like, the, you know, just the amount of optimism and sort of enthusiasm as well for just playing in the system and doing things with each other, you know, like how the team is reacting to situations and just doing what Klopp wants. You know, the, the tactical adjustment of Salah going to the middle yesterday was enthusiastically seized upon by everybody involved, really. Whereas before, we wouldn't really want to see Firmino out on the left-hand side. Really. Do, do you think, like, maybe that kind of thing, the, the spillover from a, a good Champions League campaign, just, like, has an effect on the league, if not for league position as such, but just for, you know, enthusiasm into the game, just wanting to play? And I mean, definitely. Um, what I would say is that it depends on how many changes we make, because if we bring in players who haven't been a part of that league campaign, it, that Champions League campaign, it can put a bit of pressure on them, the likes of Engs and Solanke. They, they feel like they need to step up. They'll feel like they, they don't have that same freedom as validity as someone like a Salah or a Firmino. And the other thing is, if we do make too many changes, we can be really disjointed regardless of it. Of it. But I th- feel like as supporters, we can just kind of take it a bit more relaxed. I'm, I'm kind of... The Everton game was a bit was a bit tense but it wasn't really it was the problem with the Everton game was it wasn't very enjoyable for it was a very very dull game I think the Bournemouth game for example is what I'm looking at I'm going you know what this could be a lot of fun and not necessarily having to worry too much about the result means that we can just kind of look at it and go you know what this could be a great game of football let's just enjoy it a bit and having being able to enjoy playing our football in the Premier League not having to worry too much about the result is going to be a nice feeling for I think both the players and the fans because it just kind of means we can just sort of get in the groove a bit more. And as you say, everyone's going to be riding that that high from the City game in midweek, and that's that's certainly going to keep us going at least through the Bournemouth game. All right, all right, no, no, good answer there. What I wanted to talk about now is you know we is the coaching, particularly around the coaching aspect of what we've seen. We've we've spoken about the quality of the of the squad a little bit earlier there, Tom. We've seen Klopp make some huge progress with the team as a whole this season. We, you know, we felt that there needs to be a lot more quality upgrades, and there were a couple of quality upgrades. But you know, in the case of Salah, Virgil Van Dijk, for example, coming to the team, but he he does seem to have this uh, habit of getting more out of particular players than than you know we, we think really you should. Even in the case of Salah, who has done phenomenally well at Roma. I, I think he was but he participated in something like thirty six goals or something like that, you know, in, in his season, which is brilliant. But he's even stepped up another level because this system, this coaching sort of suits him. Putting transfers aside, I wanted to ask you who do you feel has the potential in the squad to step step up to another level next season? 
And do you think that Klopp maybe uses, if he sees the league, as you say, as maybe just a bit of a freebie, you know, maybe nobody's going to catch us for fourth position. Do you see him experimenting with positions and functions during the remainder of the season to try and establish um, what he can do with players during the... That's an interesting question. Um, I'll, I'll answer the first bit first. So looking at who I think is going to go up a next level, I think the obvious ones... The ob- I'll start with the obvious ones. Oxlade-Chamberlain's the one everyone's kind of looking at and going, give him a season to settle. And then if he can get playing more consistently, he'll be better next season. So I think that's probably fair. Oxlade-Chamberlain is one you're looking at and going. We've seen some big performances from him. We haven't seen that consistency yet. So that would be something I'd like to see next season. And I certainly think that's something he's capable of. Whether or not Oxlade-Chamberlain will be a regular starter in this team is going to be very interesting to see. Very much depends on the transfers. But I would like to see him get a more regular run because I think he's capable of upgrading. The other obvious ones, uh, Alexander-Arnold, obviously, will be expected to build on this season. He's had a patchy season, I think, which is probably a fair description of it. He's had some phenomenal games. He's had some terrible games, and that's just the last couple of weeks. So it'd be nice to see him, get again, build that consistency at the heart of this this side. Um, Emery Chan, if he stays at six about, is the one I'm thinking of going. That kid's going to step up to be a world-class talent next season, regardless of who he's playing for. So that's one I'm really excited to see. Hopefully he's hopefully he's doing it with us. Um, so yeah, those are the kind of obvious names. Maybe some of the less obvious names. Andy Robertson, which might sound a bit weird because given that Robertson, I think, has hit pretty much peak form in the last weeks and has been absolutely phenomenal since the turn of the year. But I think he's got another level to find. I think he's got another gear to find. And I think that's going to be terrifying. Um, Sadio Mane, actually, which sounds a bit weird again because he's been so good. But I do think he's capable of just a little bit more which, again, is, for me, potentially insane. Um, I'm not sure if there's anyone, again, even someone like VVD. Do you know I, I think of the players in this team, the only ones who I think are not going to improve are Salah, only because I think he's pretty much hit his peak. Well, I think you can, I think you can keep that peak going, and I think he can go and score another 40 or 50 goals next season. But I think it's going to be pretty difficult for him to improve on scoring a goal a game. So I'm just going to say he can't do that. Um, uh, the only other ones yeah, I could see yeah. maybe not improving are Milner and Henderson, only because of their age and potentially Lovren for the same reason. So it's only the players who sort of hit the age where they can't really improve, although I certainly think they've shown some phenomenal performances back end of this season. In terms of experimentation, that's an interesting one. I'm not sure is the honest answer. Um, I think... Klopp is going to prioritise the Champions League. So I think how we line up in the Premier League is going to be dictated by the size of the squad available and who we who we need to rest. So I think maybe we won't see Klopp experimenting so much as shoehorning. So we might see what we saw against Everton. So for example, Danny Ings playing right wing, which isn't a position... I don't think that's Klopp experimenting. I think that's Klopp saying, well, I don't have any right wingers and I can't afford to play Salah. So I've got to play Danny Ings out there, which is... Absolutely fair enough. Um, I'd like to see maybe Trent get a run in the midfield if Klein's going to get some more games at right back, which would be nice. But I'm not sure I'm going to see that happening either. Um, maybe play Ox out wide a bit more, but again, that might be something that's more necessitated by who's going to be playing in the big games rather than anything else. Um, maybe some experimentation and formation. We've seen the back three a little bit this season but I'm not a massive fan of either. Mm. To be honest with you, I think as much as Klopp might want to experiment in the Premier League, I think he's got to f- got to prioritise the Champions League. And what that means is that we've just kind of got to do what we can in the league rather than trying trying many new things. I think the other thing is that... And maybe also just keep that system sort of rolling as well. You don't want to you don't introduce too many options for players that, you know, when you don't want them to in particular situations. Like you want them to be good at the one or two things that you want them to sort of... Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was the other thing I was going to say. You don't want to disrupt the fluidity and momentum of this side too much by doing something that's a bit bit odd and just kind of throwing the rhythm off a bit. Um, the other thing I think is that I don't I don't see Klopp experimenting too much because I think Klopp kind of knows what he wants at this stage. I think he knows what he's going to get. I don't, I don't think from his perspective there's too much more experimentation to be done, if that makes sense. We might see something like what we saw against Everton with Genie, whereby because of injuries or suspensions, he knows he's got to do something a bit different in a Champions League game, so he might give it a test run in the in the league. So like, like that, we we knew because Henderson was suspended and Emery was injured, we had to play Genie in the six against City. So just give him a game against Everton to do it, um, which is something we might see. But I think 
to be honest with you, if you want to, if you want to know what sort of experimentation we might see, your best bets to go back to preseason and have a look at what we did then, because we played Genie in the six in preseason, which to me indicated Klopp was preparing for that potential eventuality with what happened with Chan and M- Chan and Hendo. I think he was kind of aware that with Chan returning from the World Cup, he might have to rest Emery for a few weeks at the start of the season, so we might need to see Genie play in the six. So that's that's the sort of thing I think we'd be looking at. Maybe something like Moreno left wing. So I wouldn't expect too much experimentation, no. All right. All right. I mean, speaking of that, then how do you expect us to line up against Bournemouth? How do you think the matches are going to go? And do you expect us to turn into? I hope we turn into the Mo Salah show. Um, I think I think Mo will play. Um, <laughs> because we've got a week between Bournemouth and West Brom, I don't see Klopp resting players. So I think Klopp will go pretty much as full strength as he can. But obviously, if there are players who are still feeling it a bit from Tuesday night, they might not get a game. I think because it's a Tuesday-Saturday, which is obviously not ideal from Saturday-Tuesday, but it gives us a little bit more space to work with. So I think we should be fine in that extent. And it's a 5.30, so we've got a little bit more leeway. So I would expect pretty much a full-strength side. Uh, obviously, Karius will play. Um, I would expect Robbo to play. I'd expect the centre well, the centre backs have got to stay the same because we don't really have any others. I don't think Clarvan will play. Right back will be interesting. I would say maybe we'll see Klein. That's the only position I could see Klopp maybe resting. So Klein, we might see Klein in midfield. Henderson will probably come back in. I'd imagine it will be Ox will be rested. So it'll probably be Henderson, Genie and Milner. I would expect all three of Mane, Salah and Firmino to play. Sorry, Peter. I would expect all three of those to start. And I'd expect at least one of them to score a couple, to be honest with you. All right. Well, on that note, let us move on to... Our closing section. Okay. I'll bring you back in here, Peter. What do, what do you feel will happen in the game? What's oh, well, do? that's a tough one, isn't it? Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we do get an early goal, uh, but then you feel the full force of Liverpool coming back. Um, I would love Lewis Cook to get a goal, although I don't want to bring too much attention to him with Liverpool scouts already looking at him. Um, uh, but it would be nice for him to get a goal before the end of the mm-hmm. season, just so he gets his first Bournemouth goal. Um, if if we can get a, a goal, a head start, then I think we, we will be in a good position to maybe draw the game. I, I can see certainly Salah Firmino getting a goal, um, you know, and we, us being sort of like 2-1 down with the last 20 minutes. And then hopefully we can bring on somebody um, or, or um, you know, maybe maybe even Jordan Ibe can show some of the Liverpool fans that he's not such a bad player as they thought he was. Maybe he can get an equaliser. We'd be overjoyed with 2-2. Um, but whether that happens, whether we get beat 5-0 and uh, wish that everybody had gone to entry rather than been at the ground, I don't know. But um, I, I think it'll be an entertaining game. I think both teams will have chances. It'll be. Um, we know that Liverpool are very good at executing their chances. It's, it's whether we actually, uh, on our day, can slot home a few of our chances, really, because we won't get as many. And it's whether we put away the chances we do get to make it a game. Um, hopefully we can do that. All right. And for you, Tom, do you think there's any any um, threat of uh, a sort of complacency here, just the sort of Champions League hangover? What do we you might get some fatigue. Gonna... That'll be interesting to see. Um, we have had some bad results previously after Champions League games, so I wouldn't necessarily expect us to win comfortably. But you would, but you would say we've looked a lot better defensively. So I'm not sure that this is a Bournemouth side we're going to come and create as m- that many chances, just because I think we've been a lot better defensively in recent weeks. Um, especially at Anfield, where of the teams in the bottom half, only West Ham have scored this season at Anfield. That that, that that's the only goal we've conceded from a team outside the top seven, seven or eight, I think. So I'm not overly concerned about defensively. Um, I would say maybe two one three one. As a, if if it was if we hadn't played Champions League, maybe we kind of said four one, maybe four nil. But because we did play Champions League in midweek, maybe two nil. I think two nil is probably a reasonable prediction. I think we might see Salah and Firmino come off a bit early. So it'll be interesting to see, but I do think I do think we will win. Um, I do think it maybe be a little bit less comfortable than it would be otherwise, but I think maybe two 0 All right, all right. As a final question to you both, Peter, I'll bring you in first for this one. What is your prediction for where your team will end up? And you can do this either with points or position. Ooh, um, I think we're capable of getting ooh, another ooh, about. I don't think we'll do as well as last season, but I think we'll get about. 43, 44 points, something like that. Um, I think we'll finish about where we are, about 11th. I think we just miss out on the top 10. 
Well, there are three points against United who are coming in handy for both of our teams, so I would, <laughs> that would be great. I hope you can't um, do that in your six. Maybe. <laughs> I, think we have, I think we have a better chance against Man United <laughs> at home than we will do Liverpool away, but even though Liverpool just had a Champions League game, um, I mean, their forward players are just phenomenal. So, I mean, the, the, the only thing that maybe Liverpool haven't considered is that we have been on a heck of a scoring run. I think we haven't not scored since, I don't know, mid-December in a game. Um, but as, as they all know as well, we also have also conceded in many games. So we are a bit of the draw specialist at the moment. Well, 2-1 going into the final five minutes or so is going to be interesting given your your habit of late goals. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's the one thing, you, you know, it's going to be an interesting game. And uh, I suppose we sort of, we just yeah. hope for that at this point of the season. Um, for you, Tom, where does Liverpool finish? Uh, fourth. Uh, my original prediction for us was third, and I thought I thought we'd get about seventy six, seventy eight points. I think we'll get slightly less than that now, just because Chelsea's capitulation means that we don't really need to get that many. So I think we'll fi- I think we'll finish fourth. I think Spurs will finish ahead of us because they haven't got as much to play for. Um, I think United will definitely finish ahead of us. I think we'll maybe finish seventy somewhere between seventy and seventy five. I reckon. I don't think we'll get quite as many as I don't know how many we're on sixty seven at the moment. Seventy five. Let's say 75. I think we'll get a couple more wins, maybe a couple more draws. I'd like to think we will get the 78 that I predict we'll get, but because just because of the Champions League and because I think if we go into the last couple of games with absolutely nothing to play for, we we could easily just go and lose a couple of games that we don't really care about. So I think 70, 75 is probably a reasonable prediction. Eight more. Why is 75 such a familiar number? Is, is that like the par of the course for... Finishing fourth or something? Like no, that? actually, it's very, very high. Points. Last year, last year, seventy-six was the most anyone's ever needed to finish in the top four. Um, 70, seventy-six is, uh, I think, the average mm-hmm. for the top four is what we've already got, sixty-seven actually. Um, yeah, uh, seventy-five. I just think right. is a nice, a nice round number for us to finish on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so much. That's been that's been a lovely pod actually, and. Um, what I'm going to do now is give you a chance to just give you um, a little bit of uh, space to plug whatever you want before we end. And so, uh, Peter, what Ooh, um, <laughs> that's caught me up by surprise there. Um, I, I mean, every day I'm posting on the site, but um, uh, I'm also in in at the moment. I've started to write a book about our progress to the Premier League, so that's an under wraps. But it's probably going to be another mm, twelve months. But my my writing speed before I probably get get something ready on that so um hopefully you might see a book from cherry chines not too not too far in the distance i may turn up at jermaine defoe's got a, a foundation thing in, in may he's doing a charity work for the caribbean kids i don't know if you know about that st lucia um so there's um there's i've gotten a date now oh terrible um but it's coming up soon early may um uh so that that would be quite an interesting if i'm getting involved in that hopefully i can but um not too many trying to keep quiet really over the summer and uh Hopefully, just um, preparing for next season. Hopefully, we're we're in the Premier League for next season and uh, just getting uh, geared up for that. Really. And, and if they want to, yeah, you can, um, you can just type in cherrychimes.com or .co.uk. That's probably the easiest way to find me. The, it'll go straight to the to the pages. Yeah. And on Twitter, sorry, Twitter as well is very, just very at nice. Cherry Chimes. So yeah, quite easy. Yeah, and then Will God as well with this uh, with this pod on Twitter. So you, yeah, you can certainly find Peter there. Um, for you, Tom, um, we talk about writing speed, different format, but <laughs> it's coming up thick and fast after the Champions League exploits. What oh God, I've got lots. Um, before I do my plugs, I do have a quick Bournemouth story. Actually, there's a clip of me on there's a clip of me on the internet back oh, a couple of years ago when I was back at uni. I did um I did student radio and that was good fun. We did, we basically did like a soccer uh, soccer Saturday. So what we do is we'd all we'd all we'd all be sat in the room illegally stream illegally streaming games on our laptops and doing like a doing like a soccer Saturday on the radio. We'd be like, oh, um, you know, for, co- for for copyright reasons, we're actually live at those grounds, pretending to be the... But um, so I was watching the Bournemouth-Everton game and um, Bournemouth came back from 2-0 down to draw 2-2 and then Everton scored in the 93rd minute. And then obviously Bournemouth equalised in the 97th minute. And there's just a clip on the internet of just someone talking, then me just absolutely screaming in the background because Bournemouth have scored a 97th minute equaliser. Like, I, I absolutely <laughs> lose it. It's a great, it's a great clip. It's a great story. It's just one of those... Memories of of early of early. I I just I live as a great game. game, It's just one of those reasons I really like Bournemouth. Um, But no, yeah, um, I've got quite a bit out at the moment. I've got a couple of articles out on the site. The um, I do a regular bit 
called Key Stats, where I basically pick out some of the interesting statistical bits from games. So I've got the key stats from last night up. Uh, I've got an article about uh, our lack of attacking depth on Everton, which is an interesting article if you want to give that a read. Um, I've got, in terms of podcasts, I've got obviously this one. I've got one from, the. I was actually on the post-match pod from last night, so that was great fun. Me and a couple of other lads just basically wall- just basically wallowing in what was a brilliant night. And then, of course, the writer's pod, which you mentioned at the beginning, is um, me and uh, me and Leanne Prescott's baby, and that's going to be out tomorrow, most likely. We've got a couple of really good guests on that, so I'm really looking forward to doing that tomorrow night. Very cool, very cool. Yeah, yeah, so that is everything from us. It's been a really, really great pod. We've, we've sort of just been awash in Liverpool's post-match victory <laughs> and uh, we're probably much it's going to continue for a while at least until the Bournemouth game when uh, when all hands will be on deck for that for me you can join uh you can join me after the Bournemouth game when we do a post-match pod on face-off so I will see you again for that but until then thanks so much for tuning in thanks huge thanks to my panel for joining me and I see you again take care of yourselves bye-bye Podcast Network.